I think this unit is more of the Jekyll and Hyde that we talked about earlier. Um, right, there'll be times right. where it's just hard to watch. Then there's times that they score four touchdowns on four consecutive drives. Welcome in to the Titans 10 for Thursday, December the 16th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. Welcome to Friday Eve, everybody. Welcome to Thursday Night Football. That is today. We have got an incredible, incredible game tonight. I can't wait to watch the Chiefs visiting the Chargers. You want my opinion on it? I think that the Chiefs are going to take a little step back today. I think that the Chargers uh, are going to be a little bit of a different opponent than the Raiders. The Chiefs' offense, I still don't think they're right. They have beat up on the Raiders twice, but outside of that, they have not looked great in the past couple of weeks, and I think they're going to be unmasked a little bit tonight against the Raiders. But I think this game could shape up to be the wild, wild AFC West showdown that we've all been waiting for. I'm excited. Definitely going to be watching that game. Might have something to say about it on tomorrow's episode. But today, we have our Behind Enemy Lines Week 15 episode for you. We've got a special guest today with us. His name is Michael Beck. He is the writer covering the Steelers with SB Nation's Behind the Steel Curtain website. He does a great job over there, so go check him out after you listen to the conversation we had, which was fantastic, talking about the Titans and the Steelers coming up this week. So real quick before we get to that, make sure to tune in tomorrow for our Week 15 preview episode on Friday. We'll be covering everything going into the weekend that you need to know about the Titans as they prepare to head up to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers this weekend we'll be covering the week of of press conferences we will be covering the injury report all the good stuff all the vital information it's a mandatory listen you will be able to listen to that tomorrow afternoon at our usual time but today let's get into our week 15 behind the enemy lines episode with michael beck All right, let's welcome in our guest this week, Michael Beck. He's the deputy editor and social media manager over at SB Nation's Behind the Steel Curtain. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So we're talking about the Titans and Steelers this week, the Week 15 matchup between two teams in the AFC playoff picture. The Titans are coming in uh, just off of their bye two weeks ago, got a little bit of a therapy game against the Jaguars, who I'm not sure if there's been any news on them lately. I've not heard uh, if there's anything going on down there in Jacksonville. Pretty quiet out of that camp this week, but uh, they got the win, uh, handled business the way they should. The Steelers are coming off of a wild couple of weeks. Obviously, a big divisional win against the Ravens at the last second of the game two weeks ago, and then a mini uh, Minneapolis game against the Vikings that started out was just a bust of a game, and in maybe in true Steelers fashion this year, they turned it into a thriller there in the third and fourth quarter. So just give give Titans fans, give listeners of the show a little bit of a rundown about the Steelers this year um, and about where the team is coming into this final stretch of the season. Yeah, so this has been a very interesting season for the Steelers. Um, at times, they look like they're the worst team in football. At other times, they look like they can't be stopped. It's one of the most Jekyll and Hyde situations I've ever seen, but it seems like more often than not, they're the bad version of uh, of what uh, we've kind of seen throughout this season. Despite that, they're still 500. Uh, they still have some fight in them late in games. 
But typically, especially the last number of weeks, uh, they find themselves in large holes. Uh, the games that end in uh, lopsided uh, scores are the games where they just fold their tents and they don't battle back in the late in games. But uh, against the Chargers, they came back late. Uh, against the Vikings, as we saw, they came back late. And then uh, again, uh, what, just this past week against, what, uh, Minnesota, they came back. But then uh, Baltimore the week prior, they actually won that game uh, after uh, finding themselves in a smaller hole, but a hole nonetheless. Against the Bengals, different story. They couldn't find that fire. Uh, that game, once that uh, once that game kicks off, is basically over. So this team, uh, if uh, it's one of the things that I've been saying is the key for this team at this point moving forward with a couple weeks left in the year. They have to start fast, build some confidence, because right now they're just not playing with any confidence and they're starting slow. So I'd say one of the big things to watch out for when this game starts if the Steelers allow a touchdown or two and they find themselves in a 7-14 to 14 point hole, there is a possibility the game just cracks wide open. Uh, the defensive line's uh, banged up with injuries. The, the running holes are ridiculous. Uh, some of the effort has just been sad for what uh, you think of the, the history of this team. And uh, you see a lot of alumni kind of trashing that. So throughout uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of tough. But uh, there, there is still some room to have faith with them because that they still show some fight late in games. We'll just have to see what uh, version of the team shows up this week. So there are a couple of things I want to touch on there that you mentioned. The first of which are those running lanes. The defense is allowing you the Steelers, their, their MO, the last, at least the last couple of seasons has been a, a stout defense. And then you saw in that Minnesota game, man, Dalvin cook was just getting whatever he wanted. And it really was the safeties stopping him from running for 300 yards in that game. It was it was ridiculous. What is it just that TJ Watt kind of the defense goes the way of TJ Watt. And if he's in there, it's a totally different unit. What is what is the deal with this defense that historically has has done really well against the run? So it kind of goes a little beyond TJ Watt. TJ's kind of rules. He's almost like he has a free go to rush the quarterback. Uh, in the run game, he, he definitely helps. But uh, with him with him not on the field, uh, the Steelers are a worse team. But where the real struggles have been, uh, the Steelers are missing uh, two defensive linemen. They haven't had stuff onto it all year all year long. Rather, um, he's he's arguably their second or. Heck, in recent years, he's been as good as T.J. Watt, but doing it from an interior defensive lineman position. He's not been available. Tyson Alalu broke his uh, his uh, leg earlier in the season. So the nose tackle and the other D-end uh, that's been playing opposite of Cam Hayward, they're both not there. Uh, then you have guys like Chris Wormley and Isaiah Loudermilk, uh, a rookie out of Wisconsin. They're undersized. They're getting blown off the football. The running lanes are just – they're targeting these two guys, running the, the ball at them, and they just aren't as stout as what they've had in, uh, in what, recent years now. So defensive line isn't as good as what uh, we typically have seen from them. And with that, the Steelers have a couple undersized linebackers. Their game is being kept clean, attacking the football. Without those two guys in front of them, offensive linemen are getting up into them. They're getting their hands onto the, the linebackers. They're not able to shake free. And they're ending up uh, just getting swallowed up. And then all of a sudden, it just comes down to Trell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick having to make a tackle because the front seven is just getting worked. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick should never be the leading tackler of this team. Yet I'm pretty sure he holds like a 20 some tackle uh, lead in that wow. uh, perspective. So, yeah, it, it's been bad. Like uh, it all starts in that D line. It hasn't been as good as, uh, like I mentioned, then it just kind of breaks down the linebackers and it's uh, reliant on either safety. He's making a play, and that's just not the way you can uh, defend the, uh, the run in the NFL. 
Well, that's interesting. You know, the Titans obviously are a team that is run first uh, in terms of their identity on the offensive side of the ball. And they've proven that's the case with or without Derrick Henry. Obviously, uh, their best player is still not available. They're crossing their fingers, hoping he can be back for a playoff run. But for this matchup, they're going to be going with their piecemeal practice squad running back situation, which honestly, Dontrell Hilliard and Deonta Foreman have done a serviceable job. I think it is a testament to their ability as a team uh, to block the run well, regardless of who is carrying the ball and their their dedication to establishing the run, regardless of who is back there. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not the, the Titans, even though they don't have their best guy uh, carrying the rock, whether or not they're going to be able to establish the run against the Steelers. The Steelers, their their pass defense. Uh, tell me a little bit about that because obviously the Titans' passing game this season has taken a serious step down from the past couple of seasons. Now there's been a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, their star wide receivers have been in and out of the lineup. Uh, currently, AJ Brown still on IR, but Julio Jones is back. They're working him in slowly, but he should have a bigger role in this game. You'd imagine. And the pass blocking has taken a serious step back as well. So it, regardless of how good the pass defense is for any team, the Titans have struggled in recent weeks really to establish the pass. Do you think the Steelers pass defense is going to be able to take advantage of that? A lot of that comes down to uh, the availability of TJ Watt. He's missed a number of games this year. Mm. When he's on the field, the quarterbacks have significant less, significantly less time in the pocket to get rid of the football. Still leading the, the league in sacks despite missing like, like three and a half games, I think it is uh, total at this point this year, uh, and they're a completely different team when he's not on the field. So, so tell me about that. Practice. What's he? What's he dealing with? Does it sound like he might be back this week? Uh, well, he's been practicing. So that and uh, Mike Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin uh, said uh, he believes he should be available for them. Uh, he's had two different groin injuries this year, like uh, months apart. So don't believe they're related at all. And then a couple of weeks ago, he uh, got kind of. Uh, twisted awkwardly and had a hip slash knee injury, which kept him out uh, for another game. Uh, so he, he's been battling a, a lot of different things. Uh, and with that too, uh, if he's not on the field, quarterbacks can just stand in the pocket, just throw the ball <laughs> wherever they want. Uh, they don't have that internal clock going as fast because the Steelers just aren't able to get home without those interior guys. Cam Hayward just gets all the double teams and you don't have to chip anyone anymore. Receivers are running open. And that's another thing we saw in that Vikings game. Justin Jefferson was just running wide open on those deep crossing routes because they had all the time in the world to just sit back there in the pocket, Kirk Cousins, and deliver the football. But uh, hopefully uh, the Steelers get TJ Watt back. Uh, Joe Hayden's missed some time as well. Uh, if they're able to get both those guys back, then the Steelers are significantly better uh, defending the passing attack. Wow, interesting. Now, let's talk about the other side of the ball. The other matchup is going to be the Steelers' offense versus the Titans' defense. The Titans, the last two years, had been an offensive identity team, a team that was scoring 30 points a game, being carried, uh, their their poor defensive unit being carried by that offense. But since the loss of Derrick Henry around midseason this year, they kind of flipped the switch, and they've become a defensive team. Their front four, the personnel uh, on the entire defense, has 
improved dramatically and the coordination has improved notably as well. It looks like. And so they have really put together the, the key to their defense and their success this year has obviously been their ability to get pressure with just four with their front four, who's been really dominant this year. You've got some big guys up there, Autry Simmons, Landry, but Dupree, a big name that in this game is looking to come back. He was activated off of IR, uh, a free agent who left the Steelers to come to the Titans last season. It sounds like he's going to be good to go. And you'd imagine he's going to be raring to go against his former team in a revenge spot there. So I just want to, I want to hear your thoughts on where the Steelers offense is right now and what you think this matchup might provide in terms of uh, what the game's going to look like. That That's I think this unit is more of the Jekyll and Hyde that we talked about earlier. Um, right, there'll be times right. where they there'll be a stretch of like seven straight three and out possessions, and it's just hard to watch. Then there's time times like in games that they score four touchdowns on four consecutive drives. It, it, they just don't look like the same team. Uh, I I think a lot of that might come down to teams playing sort of prevent defense, not l- allowing the big play. So I do believe the Steelers are kind of more of the lacking offense. And a lot of that stems through this young and not very talented offense line, if we're being real here. The, this group needs to be completely uh, rebuilt this offseason. But um, a, a lot of those struggles come with the, them not being able to uh, push back the defensive fronts. Uh, pass blocking has been good. It's gotten worse really in recent weeks. Ben Roethlisberger has been uh, getting his head taken off in the, <laughs> in the last couple of games here, which is just hard to watch, especially for someone immobile as big Ben, but uh, especially in that Minnesota game, there were, I mean, in prime time, a lot of cuts to Ben looking like he just wanted to retire at halftime. Right. He looked so done back there and he, he was given, he was just given no chance. Yeah, no. And that's one of the things with Ben too. It seems like anytime he's taking a lot of hits after a game, that's when uh, those comments of, Oh, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> starts coming out. So sure. Um, yeah, definitely got, definitely got a, a share of that uh, after the Vikings game, but uh the rest of the offense, it really flows through the rookies. Najee Harris, of course, kind of the bell toll, the bell cow, the offense. Uh, he go. gets he gets the the, the ball a lot. Um, he, I believe, he still leads the league in total touches. Uh, so he, he's he's just being forced to the football, and oftentimes has to make something out of nothing. Uh, and he's been somewhat successful doing that. So really hope the Steelers can figure out the offensive line to actually see this kid hit his potential because you can see how talented he is. He's just not getting a whole heck of a lot of help. Well, now, Ben did get (laughs) knocked down and looked like he wanted to quit a number of times. But to his credit, uh, and and I've watched a decent amount of Steelers this season, the second half of that Minnesota game was some of the most impressive ball I've seen from Ben in a while. He really refused to quit, and I I, I felt like he had to give him his flowers. Um, He he is not going down without a fight, and he led that team back. Uh, it, it seemed like it was primarily his doing. He was he was dealing the ball out there, making some really impressive throws, granted some really impressive catches by a talented receiving core. But he gave him a chance all the way down to the very last throw. He gave him a chance to win the game and they came up just short. But he's still got a little bit something in the tank. And it's interesting, you know, it, it seems like this Steelers team, as much as they are are you know they have the proclivity to give up a game it seems like in the first half and and just just call it a day by halftime and then they come out and they refuse to quit in the end and and sometimes this season like in that Ravens game they manage a big comeback so it's going to be interesting to see you know the Titans they've not found themselves in many positions this year where they've had uh 
to maintain a lead and and not blow a game. They've had to come back from some deficits um, and they've played in some tight games, but they haven't been in a, a position really that I can think of where they've had a big lead and the other team hasn't just rolled over and given up. So it's going to be interesting to see if that is the case. Clearly, this is a team that uh, fights all the way to the fourth quarter and uh, to the final snap. And I think that's obviously a reflection of the coaching that they have uh, over there with Mike Tomlin. Yeah, no, and the Steelers coaching staff, and it's one of the things you, you'll find in Steelers Twitter. Is, uh, there's a very loud, I'd say still vocal minority of people that uh, want to get rid of and move on from the coaching staff. But you, you can They've see- They've only been uh, saying that for 10 years, right? It, it's true. Uh, it's pretty much it's the last maybe the most confusing thing of, of all fan bases in sports, the, the Steelers fans' proclivity to scream, to get rid of the person who's clearly never the problem, right? Yeah, really, this year comes down to personnel. Uh, yes. The, the lowering of the salary cap just hammered this team. They had to cut a ton of guys. Uh, they're very reliant on rookies, and they're like the two rookies starting the offensive line, both of them needed like a redshirt year of sorts. They right. should, neither guy should be starting this year, but they are. Uh, and that, that's just a, due to a lack of money. The Steelers will have a, a decent amount of cash next year. How much of that they're going to spend at, at the quarterback position will definitely kind of affect how much spending – They'll do elsewhere. Uh, this team, they have a potential to bounce back a season from now, but uh, they put themselves in, in a rough position because of uh, the spending just falling off a cliff because of COVID. So hopefully uh, hopefully they can figure it out. But Coach Tomlin really isn't the problem here. It, I think the game plans are still good. Uh, the Steelers still play fired up and with the passion, but they're just not as talented in some positions, and injuries just killed them this year. Yeah, and, and that's that's been the story of the year, right? Who can it's the story of every year, frankly, who can stay healthy and and the Steelers have dealt with that. Obviously, the Titans have dealt with that. Uh and and both teams still, I think it's a reflection of their coaching. Uh listen, given like you said, the personnel there in Pittsburgh, I think with uh another coach not named Mike Tomlin, that team might already be looking forward to the draft. He seems to be able to take any roster, and and again, this this is threatening to be his first year ever uh, below 500. That's a testament to his ability to keep guys fighting, and that's that's reflected in the way these guys play. Uh, we unfortunately have run out of time, but it's been great talking to you. Before we get out of here, anything you want to plug? Of course, if uh, if you want to get more uh, just details on this matchup from a Steelers perspective. You can always click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. That uh, is where you'll see some uh, great writing from uh, our entire staff. And if, if you like the podcast stuff and you want to hear more stuff on the Steelers side of things, uh, we broke down stuff from the Titans' perspective as well. Search Behind the Steel Curtain wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, you'll find uh, some great content for us. So uh, I guess with that, uh, thank you so much for having me on today. Absolutely. He's Michael Beck. Follow him on Twitter at MichaelBeck56. Check him out, like you said, Behind the Steel Curtain, SB Nation's Steelers website. He's the deputy editor and social media manager over there. Michael, have a great day. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. All press conference audio in this episode is courtesy of TennesseeTitans.com. A big thank you to them for making that available. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, follow me at Easton Freeze and the show at the Titans 10 to interact with me and keep up with any of our show updates. And finally, check out me and my very talented colleagues over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com for all things Tennessee sports. We've got great new content for you seven days a week. Until next time, I'm Easton Freeze.
The Titans 10 is a Broadway sports media production.